following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Broken Helmet. Let's rock. And welcome to this Broken Helmet, coming to you live on tape on July 26th, 2021. Always love the live on tape, which is basically every podcast on the planet. Always fun to say, however. Coming back on a Monday here after the weekend was really a bore fest on the sports front. You know what I'm saying? I guess you had Yankees, Red Sox that had a little attention. Whatever attention baseball can command in 2021. And then you had a really terrible Olympics. I mean, it has been a complete bomber road. The opening ceremony was the least watched in 33 years. 33 years. What do you expect? There's just so much to watch. And the Olympic sports now just have become really niche watches. Watches. Niche watches. Because uh, who does any of this stuff anymore? And it's not to discredit any of the sports themselves. It's just, hey, look. I, I mean, back when there wasn't all these other sports that existed... X Games, winter sports, skateboarding, you know, everything else. The Olympics had a lot of juice to it. I mean, hell, back in the day when there wasn't 8 million video games, there's only a couple. You always had the uh, the IBM winter sports and summer sports. They were, Everybody had those. They were always fun to play. They was always covered in Sports Illustrated, all the Olympic games. Nowadays, it's, you know, you try to watch these things. You turn on NBC. I think they have it on NBC, USA, and the Olympic Channel for anybody that has the Olympic Channel on their cable docket. Uh, and then you can also watch on Peacock. And if you try to navigate Peacock to figure out how to watch the Olympics, good luck to you. Or at least let me know if you figure it out. Because to me, it is just absolutely confusing. Absolutely confusing. The only thing I have figured out what to do is how to get to the schedule that tells me what channel owned by NBC is going to be airing what specific sport. But they don't have any kind of real-time schedule. It's just kind of a bucket of, hey, turn on this here, and you can follow 3-on-3 basketball and beach volleyball. We're not going to tell you when they're on, but they're somewhere during this time period on NBC. You go to the Olympic Channel, here's the next bucket. Go to USA, here's the next bucket. I mean, again, completely confusing. Enough is enough already, and you want to know why the the ratings are in the toilet. Because this whole thing is ran like fucking dog shit. Throw somebody else in there, just make it easy. Remember the Olympic triple cast? That shit was easy. And now you're trying to do the Olympic triple cast basically with the Olympics channel, USA and NBC, and it's just infinitely more difficult. 
I don't know how you screwed it up. It was very easy to follow before, and now you just kind of turn on. You're like, I don't know what's on. Yeah, turn on USA and let's see what's on. But anyway, uh, the Olympics, uh, you know, USA now second uh, as of Monday night, 17 medals in total against our arch nemesis, China. Ooh. China hate those fucking guys. Commie bastards. Used to be Russia, now it's China. The enemy. China. Anyway, so it's been a uh, light weekend in the world of sports. However, things are picking up because the NFL has got a lifeline, folks. We have a little bit of a lifeline, and camps are starting up. People are coming in. We're getting a little bit of news. And soon enough, before you know it, it's going to be all you hear about, all you read about, which will be happy days returning here again. Here again. So let's take a look on Monday. We're doing this at Monday night, so some of this stuff uh, already been hit, but some uh, not. So let's just run down the list. Start off, uh, Chiefs. This was a headline I saw. They will not be retiring the nickname, the Chiefs. They uh, will be retiring the pregame running of the war paint, a horse-themed mascot, which I guess was banned years back and brought back in 09 for the 50th anniversary of it. Again, I don't know all the specific points and dates, but it was gone. They brought it back. Now they're kicking it away again. Okay, fine. Whatever. We get it. We're very, very mean people toward Native Americans, and we've named a ton of our sports teams after them, and they all have to go bye-bye. I guess Chiefs will not be going bye-bye because, according to the story that I read, again, it was PFT, that they have a... They were quoted as saying they have a strong Native American think tank, basically, and that they give them great guidance as to how not to be offensive to Native Americans. Kudos for trying to be responsible. Probably the best way to do it would just be to get rid of the moniker altogether. But we can see what a problem that turns into when you look at the Washington football team, which doesn't even have a name. It's the Washington football team, which is... uh, Now you've actually gotten used to calling the Redskins the Washington football team, but now they can't be called the Washington football team because... The courts said it was too generic. So now we've got to come up with a name for the Washington football team, but one that hasn't been uh, coined and copyright by the other random guy who owns like, you know, a a million Redskin, well, not Redskin, but Washington football team possible names. Utterly confusing. The whole damn thing. So the Chiefs are not going to put themselves in a like position, and they're just going to stick with the Chiefs. But they're going to be getting rid of anything else that is Native American-based. As of now, last year, they got rid of the American Indian-style face paint in and headdresses in home games. So basically, you've named yourself after Indian tribes, but you can show nothing Indian-related in the stadium at all. So... I, I, what do you do with it? You, it's an arrowhead. You have arrowhead stadium and an arrowhead as your logo. And that is basically all the attachment you have to native American mascots that your team is named after. I don't get it. The whole thing is utterly confusing and a waste, but anyway, they will not be retiring the chiefs anytime soon. So there you go. 
Uh, next up, Michael Thomas. Now, this broke a little bit, I think, on Friday, maybe Thursday of last week, late Thursday, early Friday, that people thought that he was going to be out due to surgery that he had that was he should have had, I guess, at the end of the season, and he put it off. Now he is going, it's been reported, he is going to start on the PUP list, and he's going to return in week seven. So while I don't know how much that's going to really impact the Saints' success this year, because let's be honest, with their quarterback situation the way that it is, I'm not quite sure Michael Thomas would have been able to help, right? You're talking about Taysom Hill or you're talking about Jameis Winston, and neither of those are really going to produce big numbers. I guess Jameis could produce big numbers, but I don't know about wins, right? I mean, Jameis has never really won. I don't know why people would expect him to succeed in in Peyton's system, but you know, I guess there's hope for the Aints. Michael Thomas, however, will not be able to help those causes at, until week seven. So probably a bigger loss on the fantasy football front because Michael Thomas, up until last year, was a darling child of fantasy football. I mean, that guy was absolute money year after year. And then last year he completely shit the bed and screwed everybody who picked him early. Uh, but did come back and was putting up good numbers when he came back. This year, you're going to have to wait till week seven. So if you're going to pick him, you know, you know, the better questions are fantasy. Where am I going to pick Michael Thomas? Where am I going to grab him? He comes back. He's going to be strong. But i got to wait till week seven. Is that going to hurt me? What round can I really throw the dice on that? So those are probably the more intriguing questions uh, rather than, per se, the Saints' offense and how that's going to impact that. But the Saints go along, and what do they try to do to replace Michael Thomas? Well, I don't know if they did it to replace Michael Thomas, but they bring in Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. This guy was playing lacrosse, folks, although he is a Ramapo Raider. Bergen County played those guys, didn't play him. I'm old. But the uh, Saints are going to bring Chris Hogan back. He last played for the Jets. I guess his biggest years were the last couple with the Patriots, right? When he had Brady, he had a couple of big catches. But, uh, I mean, solid career to come from Ramapo. I don't know if it really is worth putting the Chris Hogan signing along with Michael Thomas. But, obviously, they're trying to add some bodies to the wide receiver core over there in New Orleans, and he is going to be one of them. So, go figure. Uh, More significant news, Jonathan Allen. He signs with the Washington football team. Terms of the deal, four years, $72 million. Of course, what is the guarantee? $30 million is the signing bonus. So, the biggest part of this is this locks in that entire front four, which every has become the darling child of every statistical and uh, you know statistical podcast or anybody football related everybody loves saying strong one of the strongest teams or whatever select squads in all of football right the wide receiving core the running back core you know whoever it is the defensive line that belongs to the Washington football team. So you got Chase Young, you Deron Payne, you got Jonathan Allen now in Montez Sweat. So I can't really argue they are four solid players. And as a giant fan, hate to see those guys on the opposite end of the ball, uh, opposite end of the trench, if you will, as I'm sure Eagle fans, Cowboy fans uh, also dislike to see. 
because, I, you know, they're really young. And Chase Young is so good. He's so good. Montesquieu is, is solid, too. Payne Allen, also awesome. So Allen is locked in there now. Four years, $72 million, $30 million ka-ching in the signing bonus. So another signing is the Chiefs. They locked up Alex Okafer. They took him, put him on the docket. He will get paid. Some people not getting paid will be Jamal Adams. Him and the Seahawks allegedly not close at all on a contract. Uh, what do you expect with John, Jamal Adams? I mean, come on. Let, let's be fucking real here. This guy ran himself out of New York because I, he just didn't want to be there anymore. Goes to the Seahawks. I am sure he thought he was going to blow up uh, his salary there. So now he's going to be playing on the fifth year of a rookie contract. The two averages that lead the league in the secondary are Simmons, who did his deal this year. He is at 15.25 million average, and he just notched above Buda Baker, who did his contract last year for 14.75. So Adams is obviously looking to get up above those numbers. If he doesn't get above those numbers, I'm sure it'll lead to a big holdout, all the rest of it. But, um, you know, you could have seen this coming from a mile away, which is why the Jets turned coat and took off and it shipped them because they just didn't want to deal with it. And now it's the Seahawks problem. So between all these little Seahawks, I don't know how... The Seahawks basically put together these solid years just by the fact that they built up such a solid team and have kind of been able to cherry pick, oh, we're going to go with this guy now, and then we're going to go with this guy, so long as we have Russell. I mean, Russell Wilson has saved that team. But, I mean, this team is so, I mean, the whole thing has been changed from their Super Bowl run. And while they're not, haven't got the Super Bowl since, they still get to the playoffs every single year because they're able to somehow slap together, you know, draft picks, uh, you know, such as... Um, What's his name? Um, Jesus. Now, my again, here we go again. Rich, it, it is constant, constant breakdown. As you try to think of these players and their names, and you just stammer from time to time, who on God's green fucking earth is going to want to listen to a podcast like this when you can't even remember DK Metcalf's name? Oh, my God. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. But anyway, they pull out people like... DK Metcalf, and to go along with Tyler Lockett, and, you know, you get Chris Carson. I mean, again, it, it really all revolves around Wilson. But if you look at this team, you know, they somehow have been able to maintain, um, even with the turnover that they had, especially on the defensive side of the ball, when it's just, uh, I mean, Bobby Wagner. Was Bobby Wagner all the way back in that Super Bowl team? I think he was. But, I mean, there's just nobody else. But, anyway, so Jamal Adams is now the Seahawks problem. And we'll see how that one plays out. Obviously, you're just going to hear about it constantly until that deal gets done. Talking about other people that aren't going to get signed, Todd Gurley. We talked about this the other day. Todd Gurley was never going to go to the Rams. There wasn't a shot in hell he was going to... He was going back to the Rams. I know Eric Dickerson tried to get involved. Eric Dickerson. Oh, my God. Suck him, motherfucker! What are you doing getting involved in something like this? Trying to get your name in the press. Congratulations. But Sean McVay came out and said, we're not signing Todd Gurley. Basically, those weren't his exact words. But come on, we all knew that that was not going to happen. Todd Gurley was never going back to the Rams. Another person that... uh, And actually, before I get to the next person, there was one of the... 
thing that I remember them uh, related to the Todd Gurley signing was, so McVay says they're they're not going to sign Gurley. Again, not a shocker. Everybody knew that. In the same breath, he also said Daryl Henderson is not going to be playing in the precincts. Well, of course, of course, we talked about this. There was really nobody out there for them to sign. Still isn't. Le'Veon Bell is probably the most intriguing name out there that might be able to fit the system. Obviously, he's probably going to come with a price tag, but who knows. But he was the most intriguing name. Otherwise, Daryl Henderson had some good games in the beginning of the season. And it made sense to me that that Henderson was going to be the guy. Now they come out and say Henderson's not going to play in the preseason. I think that pretty much shows you that Daryl Henderson is going to be the guy in the 2021 season for the Rams, unless something else, you know, changes comes along. There's some kind of massive trade, but I don't think so. They're not coming out saying Henderson's not playing. We're not signing Todd Gurley because they have something else up their sleeve. I'm sure they're going to go with Henderson, see what happens, and make a move on the fly if it doesn't. Other people that are not going to play, although this was good news because the doctors have now said that he is cleared to do everything. The ACL injury is in the past. Obviously, he is not going to play in preseason, but Joe Burrow is back, which is awesome. Because Joe Burrow looked fantastic last year before his knee got thrown in the meat grinder and chopped up to no end. So, again, cleared to do everything. He's probably not going to play in the preseason was the word from the coaching staff. Not a shock there because why would you want to risk it? But the fact that they're saying he's cleared to do everything is great because, you know, those ACL injuries, at least for running backs, you can see what's been happening with uh, uh, Saquon, Saquon Barkley. He's not coming back right away. doesn't know if he's going to be ready for week one. It kind of feels like he's not. Um, but obviously, Burrow is going to be ready for week one. Different position, not as much uh, torque, per se, as the running back. But always good to get the young quarterbacks, especially those that have tremendous talent, especially big dick Joe Burrow from LSU, smoking that cigar in the uh, in the locker room, probably had one in between in his pants too, because uh, he played like an absolute animal uh, in that championship game. Good to see him back, and um, well, hopefully, good to see him back in Week One. But speaking of injuries, and we were just talking about Tariq, uh, we were t- speaking of Saquon Barkley, Tariq Cohen, another ACL. Was he ACL? I'm pretty sure he was ACL. He's going to start off on the PUP list. So Joe Burrow is out. Uh, Tariq Cohen is going to be out. Obviously, Barkley's an old news, but we said he is going to be out as well. Another person that's going to be out, Darius Leonard, who last year, remember, he had that concussion, missed a bunch of time, and it was kind of scary when you heard the stories because he was saying that he was a little scared because his, uh, you know, those eggs up top were, were pretty fried after that concussion. So this time, it's not a concussion, thank God. But this time, he's going to miss a little bit of camp with ankle surgery. Ah. You know, you don't like to see this, right? Darius Leonard, monster, uh, coming into the league first two years. First two years? I'm pretty sure it was two. I have to get the stats in front of me. But then last year, turns around and misses some time with the concussion. And now, all of a sudden, there's an ankle injury. Obviously, an ankle and a brain not related in any way, shape, or form. However, you know, sometimes people start getting, you know, that injury bug about them and there's no rhyme or reason to it they just always go down it's just some kind of dumb luck we're hoping that doesn't come up here but another person who will not be participating in camp at least to begin with is his coach so leonard's coach frank reich 
The chief of the Colts is going to be out. He tested positive for COVID. And here we go with the COVID. Because the COVID story is never going away. Ever. Ever. And this time, Frank Reich, like what you've been hearing more and more so about, fully vaccinated individual who contacted, who tested positive and somehow contracted COVID. So he is fully vaccinated, said he felt fine, and he'll be back shortly. I think they said maybe a week or something, him, him being out. But regardless, here's what you're going to see with on the COVID front, is that people are going to test positive and they're going to have to miss. And, I, you know, look, tier one, tier one individuals, which is like coaching staff, I think uh, front office, they all have to get vaccinated. So anytime any of these people test positive, it, they're going to be a fully vaxxed person which is happening right now, and you probably aren't even hearing as much about it because vaccinated people simply aren't getting tested. I'm sorry. Unless you feel really terrible, if you're fully vaxxed, you're never thinking that whatever you have is is enough to warrant getting COVID tested. You're just going to be like, oh, I got a stuffy nose, or oh, I don't feel that great. Unless, obviously, you feel really like shit, and then you're like, oh my god, you know, this is one of those breakthrough cases. So I, you don't even know what the numbers are right now, and I don't think you ever will. But Frank Reich is one of those who is fully vaccinated and yet tested positive. So be it. Uh, speaking of the COVID, he's not the only one. JOK, and of course we're not going down that route. If you want, listen to the previous podcasts, we're just going JOK. We're not going to try to go with a long-form name. It's just easier to say JOK. He also is on the COVID-19 list. He either tested positive or came in close contact with somebody, so he will also be on the COVID list. He'll be there for, I guess, about the same amount of time as Frank Reich, so you, you would estimate about a week or so. And, you know, this brings up a couple of COVID cases, and that is the next little headline, is that the NFLPA is not digging the wristbands. Now, if you haven't heard about this, they are trying to figure out a way to um, signal who does and does not have vaccinations, COVID vaccinations. I don't know why you really need to know that because if you're on the field of play, what does it matter if you know who is and who is not vaccinated? Unless there's something to do with the testing. And uh, Google it, I probably should have. Maybe there is something that the NFL is thinking of doing related to testing more so of vaccinated versus unvaccinated players. Whatever the case is, They're trying to create some kind of signaling system, and they're doing so a lot with wristbands. And the NFLPA has come out and said they're not not for it. And now you're starting to see rationale why, because out of Pittsburgh, the story was uh, Nigel Harris isn't vaccinated, and they know so because he's wearing a yellow wristband. So you just look on the field, and you're like, oh, non-vax player. And so the NFLPA is unsure of fallout from players that are and are not going to be vaccinated. And what's that going to equate to social media-wise? You know, there are many different permutations of the fallout for uh, the recognizing who has and has not been vaccinated. And I can understand why they don't want to deal with it. And I, you know, I don't know the HIPAA whole thing. I guess it's not against, it's not a HIPAA violation to do this. 
I don't really care. Again, my point has been now forever. I just don't want politics and all the rest of that shit in my football. And I understand that this is a global health crisis, and I understand the health fact variables within it, health factors. However, I don't know, thinking about this, how wristbands are going to help the NFL with their COVID testing. I mean, you're either vaccinated or not. If you're going to get tested, you're going to get tested. Unless you make all of the players get vaccines like they do with tier one employees, then what does it matter? I, you know, you're not going to make everybody, it's going to be voluntary. Okay. So it's voluntary. So that's what it is. So test them before the games, test them after the games, test them whenever you want, but screw the wristbands. They don't do shit. So I, you're just creating a headache trying to do all this, but I know it's some kind of mandate where the, the, NFL wants the teams to track who has it and who has it. Uh, again, the whole thing is yeah, yeah. fucking way overly confusing. But that's the deal there. And so then the, that leads to the final little note, which I saw over the weekend. And uh, I don't know. It was, it was shocking in the sense that I didn't really expect it, see it. Uh, haven't been following Arizona Cardinal football all that much uh, over the offseason. Outside, of, you know, J.J. Watt went there. You know, big whoop de doo uh, but here we go with a complaint coming from Chandler Jones, who didn't play last year because he tore his bicep. I think he tore his bicep versus the Giants, if I remember right. I think it was a game versus the Giants, and, and he went out. But Chandler Jones, who has had a spectacular career, started with the Patriots and then got traded to the Cardinals. Did he get traded or signed with the Cardinals? But he ended up landing with the Cardinals and injured last year. He wants a trade. Uh, which sucks because you get a team like the Cardinals who get a little bit of juice coming into the season after having a, a decent performance last year. And Kyler Murray looks good. You got JJ Rocco in there. You got Hopkins there. I mean, things seem to be going in the right direction. And now one of your best defensive players, if not the best defensive player on your team, I Buda Baker probably is the best defensive player, but whatever. Chandler Jones up there with the uh, top couple of Cardinal defenders is now complaining and wants out of Arizona. Obviously a contract play, but at 31 years old, uh, making $15.5 I think is what I read. Fifteen and a half million this year, thirty-one years old. Uh, you know what? What are, are the Cardinals really going to sign into a big mega deal? I mean, I wouldn't. Who would? Well, why are you going to give a you know an an aging linebacker who I don't know I, you haven't produced any Super Bowls so far? I mean, it, it's like the Khalil Mack situation, right? I mean, Khalil Mack's a fantastic player, but he's not winning you a championship. And so, you know, Chandler Jones wants to, you know, kick up dust and try to generate himself a new contract with this approach. I don't know. Uh, for me, not not for me. Uh, I don't know what the Cardinals will do. I really don't think they should do anything. I think they should just stay on the ground and make him come to camp. Otherwise, you can just sit out and we can dock you pay while you decide to sit out. I, it's just silly. You know, but I, it's nothing new. You see this stuff in the NFL every single year, and it'll happen again next year and the year after, et cetera, et cetera. So right now, it's Chandler Jones. Okay, congratulations, buddy. You don't have enough money yet, do you? No, 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 no. All right. Peace out. Enough of the garbage. Let's get to the uh, big two big two stories of the weekend day, Monday. 
And again, we got sexual chocolate leading it off. That boy's good. Oh, man. You know, after everything, you kind of knew that this was going to happen because the NFL has not suspended him, right? We talked about this a little bit previously, but the NFL has not suspended Watson, right? He has not been on the commissioner's exempt list. He is good to go. So with that said, and everybody coming to camp, he's either going to not report or he's going to report. And if he doesn't report, he's going to get fined. So obviously him being stuck on the team, even as much as he kicked and pounded his fist against the ground and pissed and moaned to try to get out of Houston, it didn't happen. So he comes to camp. After all that crap, he just comes and reports to camp. Again, expected he doesn't want to miss out on the money. I get it. So, however, same thing. He doesn't want to be there. So now you got to figure out what the hell the deal is here. I guess the Eagles are the current betting favorites for his services. And I read that on Pro Football Talk. And remind me that we have to get back to that fact of Pro Football Talk reporting the Eagles are the favorite by betting because it's kind of funny. You want to talk about talking out of both sides of your mouth, you know, PFT, there you go. So the Eagles seem to be the current betting favorites for his services. Uh, He wants out, but he's going to come to camp right now and not get docked for uh, being absent, right? Texans, on the flip side, now start telling everybody that they're willing to trade him. You know, <laughs> no fucking shit. <laughs> Come on. We knew that you guys were going to trade him. He wasn't going to stay there. He never was going to stay there. Uh, I I guess their demands are pretty high. They're looking for multiple ones. Who is going to give you multiple ones to a player who has 20-plus sexual molestation charges against him, all, but, all be in a civil court case? However, there are also now 10 total criminal complaints as well. And of those 10 criminal complaints, two are criminal only, which means that if there's 22 people that have made a, a the civil case, have joined in the civil case, there's 22, eight of those also have criminal, and two are independent, That means there's actually a total of 24 girls who are in some way, shape, or form suing sexual chocolate for, I guess, molestation charges, whatever the actual charge is. Uh, There has been no criminal charges, so we don't know what they're going to charge them with. But 24 in total, 22 in the civil, 8 of those also criminal, and then 2 independent straight criminal charges. So... With all of that on the hot plate here, who is going to trade the Texans Jack for Deshaun Watson? Nobody. And not to mention, so his his lawyer came out, and he was the one that said all of this information about the women who have filed a criminal complaint. Right? So his lawyer is the one just going public and airing all this stuff out. And the line of reasoning behind that, which I don't know if I agree with it or not, is basically, I guess, to sour the case to the point that the Texans lower their lower their demands to just full, you know move the trade forward and get it done. 
know. Is that is that really is that in the realm of possibility? So the, the Watson and his lawyer say, "Hey, why don't we just go out and reveal how bad this situation could be, so that the Texans finally understand that they're not going to get what they want, and they should lower their demands and complete the trade and just get this thing over with." Guess what? The Texans don't have to do anything. <laughs> they don't have to do anything. And I, I, revealing all this information, I I mean, the Texans know it's not good. But the Texans also know that ultimately he is a starting quarterback. And if somebody's going to trade for a starting quarterback, especially one that was going to be their franchise, they're going to pay. And if they don't pay, then they'll just have to sit out. And Watson can sit out or sit on the bench. And it'll just go that route. that's the hard ball that really should be played more often in professional sports, period. And I'm, I'm all for the player era and, uh, you know, player representation and then getting them. But, but here's a situation where you don't want to be there anymore. And all of a sudden, even though you're under contract, you want to conduct some kind of crazy charade to get yourself out of there. Then all of a sudden you get hit with, pretty serious uh, civil suit that has possible criminal repercussions and you're still trying to play the negotiation game? I'm sorry. (laughs) It just doesn't work that way. And if I'm the team, I'm just saying, you know what? No, no thanks. We we want what we want and if nobody's going to give it to us, then we're just not going to trade you. Um, Yeah, ultimately down the road, before it's all said and done, you probably just kick them away for whatever you can get. However, I, I you would do that as the last course of action. Until that, just you know, stand your ground. It is what it is. So, the other part of the sexual chocolate episode that's kind of head-scratching, and I still just don't understand this, is how the NFL has not tipped their hand as to what they are thinking related to their punishment toward Watson. And I, so they've done their investigations. The police have done their investigations. The civil court is, the civil case is in the process of moving forward. It, it's not as the NFL does not have any information that they could put Watson on the exempt list, unless there's really nothing to any of these cases. Unless the NFL has information that says basically, hey, check it out. Watson didn't do anything. This whole thing is going away and it would look really bad if we put him on the exempt list and this whole thing went away just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Uh, Eddie Murphy from some movie I can't think of right now. Um, So unless they have that kind of information which doesn't feel like they do he should be on the exempt list. I I mean what else do you need? I mean... (laughs) What would you, I mean, now there's even information that two girls independently just filed straight criminal cases against them. So, I mean, people have been put on the exempt list for infinitely, infinitely less than this guy. That guy is a disgrace to the uniform. Mike, come on. Come Don't on. be rude. Yeah, you gotta relax, Mike. I don't know if he's disgraced the uniform, but he, he seems like he's done some naughty stuff. Naughty stuff, and the NFL has definitely levied 
stronger punishment against other individuals that didn't have such a a, a notable case against them. Um, I'm not sure that's the best way to describe it, but the NFL has not tipped their hat. I, that came from the Watson camp too. They said that they'd have no clue what the NFL is going to do. And to me, I think that looks like shit for the NFL because again, there's something here, whatever it is, I don't know, but there's something here. You know, 24 people just didn't come forward for nothing. You know, it's just not happening. And so now it'll be interesting to see when the NFL pulls the trigger because it training camp's starting. So uh, we will just have to wait and see. Deshaun Watson is going nowhere. The only place he's going is to the sidelines when the NFL decides to put him on the exempt list. And so as for uh, talking about quarterbacks, and we talked a little bit about PFT just before, the other story is obviously Mr. Rogers. And I couldn't think of what to call Mr. Rogers because, you know, sexual chocolate's fun because, it's, you know, Randy Watson, Deshaun Watson. I got nothing for Andy, for Aaron Rodgers. So I just am just going to call him Pissy Face because that's what he does all the time. It's just make this really annoying Pissy Face. So anyway, uh, Pissy Face is coming back to the NFL. And he's coming back because as of Friday, he was gone from the NFL. Yeah, he was he was gone. Now he's back. And why did this whole thing happen? Well, today Ian Rappaport, Ian Rappaport reports that Aaron Rodgers plans on coming back. On Friday, Pro Football Talk had reported that Aaron Rodgers was most likely retiring because... A ton of books in Vegas had taken all of the Packers' propositions, wins, you know, over over under win totals, uh, odds to win the division, etc., off the board completely. Right, so they take them off the board completely. Rogers is gone. It starts up this whole big, gigantic media uh, barrage, barrage. I don't think that's the, uh, uh, whatever. This media hullabaloo. There you go. There's an an old person term uh, because I don't think barrage is the right terminology. So hullabaloo uh, around his retirement. And all starting from basically Vegas and odds makers. Then Ian Rappaport comes back. He says this. He says that he is coming back. Trey Wingo somehow gets involved. Uh, he, I mean, Trey Wingo goes from ESPN to a podcast and somehow tries to inject himself in this story. I get it. He was part of NFL Live for years on end. Fine. He comes out says Rodgers will return, but it hinges on, I mean, if you can believe this, Randall Cobb? Yeah. I, I, Randall Cobb gets traded back to the Packers? I mean, if you want to know why Trey Wingo is no longer on ESPN broadcast, it's because he's trying to break news like the Aaron Rodgers ordeal depends on Randall Cobb. Uh, that is not the case. If they, if that has anything to do with it, I may not record a podcast ever again because there's no effing way Randall Cobb has some kind of significance in Aaron Rodgers returning to the Green Bay Packers. But Trey Wingo wants to put it on there. 
So he's going to put his name up. Put your name on it. And then Aaron Schefter comes out today because, of course, Aaron Schefter has to get involved in anything NFL because, you know, you, he can't be the, he can't not be included. And so now he comes out with the report. And he's the report. He's the new, you know, Wojnarowski on NBA and NBA action and Schefter on NFL action. There's only one person per league that really has the scoop, and that's Adam Schefter for ESPN. Well, he reports that the sides have mutually agreed upon terms of a return, and those will include wiping out the 2023 season, 2023 season right? Okay, so two years from now, that's gone. No shit. It was gone. He was gone this year anyway. So the 2023 season is out. Uh huh. No tags after 2022. Okay, so you've basically knocked out 23. You have this year 21, and you have next year 22. And you can't use tags after 22. Well, if you knocked out the 23 season, why would you be able to use tags after 22? It doesn't make any sense, but yes. So there will be no tags after 22. That somehow is some kind of intellectual newsworthy item. They will review the agreement after 22. Check that. 21. They're going to review the agreement after 21. Um, And that obviously makes sense because odds are he is not coming back for 22. So they've... This is stuff we all knew was going to happen if he ever came back. It was just going to be one year here in Green Bay. But anyway, they're going to review the agreement after 22. They're going to convert his base salary to a bonus, creating some cap space. Look, when this whole thing transpired and he wanted a trade or whatever, he was trying to get a trade around the draft and the Broncos shot up in the odds all of a sudden because they thought it could be a landing spot, and he said, basically, I'm done with Green Bay. You, you knew the way that this was going to work out. He was never leaving Green Bay. It didn't make sense for Green Bay to get rid of him. Everything was built for him to come back and try to have at least one more year, if not more, with Green Bay. From his standpoint, why would you want to burn the bridge now when you were closing in on the end of your career, closing in on the end of this contract, and you had a fan base that, I mean, you they're basically yours, right? I mean, and he got to watch the way that it fell apart for Favre when Favre tried to do something similarly. Now, granted, maybe you don't like the Packers, whatever. Logic dictated that there was only one way that this was ever going to work, and that was going to be at least one more year with the Packers. And I think one more year and one more year only, that's me. But this year, he was never going anywhere. So all of a sudden, you have this news story that breaks on Friday because of Vegas. PFT runs with it because PFT just loves to run with all that stuff. Now, PFT, to their credit, back in the day, and I started reading PFT in around 2001 or 2002, and they were phenomenal. And the news that they came out with was stuff that you could not get anywhere else. And I forget how I came up about it, but I just happened to land on it, and all of a sudden I started reading it, and I said, God damn, this site has shit, man. This has stuff that you're not getting anywhere else. And I remember I had an internship at WFAN, I used to sit in the newsroom, and Steve Cohen, who I believe he still runs Serious Sports, if he doesn't run Serious Sports, he at least runs the NFL Network, but at the time, this was before all these, you know, Jake Laser, Steve Cohen, all these guys were like uh, Pete Prisco. They were all like localized 
beat reporters that just were in their own social circle. And I, I think I remember I, I remember passing Cohen's uh, Cohen's computer one day, and he had AOL, and he had basically like all the AOL names of all the beat reporters, and they were all right there in his uh, instant messenger or whatever. And I was like, oh, those are who those guys are. Um, and I remember talking to Cohen and just throwing out info that I was reading from Pro Football Talk. And I used to be able to have serious conversations with Steve Cohen, and he was like, he was one of the beat reporters. I think he was the Jets beat reporter. But, I mean, he was going around the team. He knew people, and there I was, just some, you know, jack-off intern that was, you know, going, you know, blow for blow with him with some information. Um, And that was PFT at its best. And then when I went to 790, I remember pumping PFT to everybody there. PFT, what is it? You know. And now, you know, Florio obviously is a megastar and a big name. But PFT has downgraded in quality as a result of his rise. Because what made that site so great was it was a, a private dish rag. And it was inside information that people fed to him, just like they fed it to Schefter and all these other guys now. And he used to run with it. And so he used to be able to make a name for himself and provide good information because he had nothing to lose. And obviously with the NBC affiliation, that changed dramatically to now where they're more of a clipping site. But anyway, so this Rogers story starts basically because PFT runs with it. Um, and I, I don't know whether they're trying to get ahead of the news cycle or they, you know, they really believed it. But they started. Everybody goes nuts all weekend long. And then all of a sudden it just gets poo-pooed today as everybody reports what I think a lot of people knew was going to happen anyway, was that it was one of two things for Rodgers. It was playing 2021 with the, the Packers or it was retirement. Those were the two things. And so I retirement angle was one of them for sure, but it just didn't make sense the way that it was going down. It, it At least it did not to me. And so PFT comes out. Then today, after all of this reports, Ian Rappaport, Trey Wingo, Adam Schefter, your mother, PFT has to come out and do spin control. And so then they start writing an article about the impact of legalized sports betting on news gathering. Because guess what? It was them that ended up getting caught uh, you know, in the cookie jar with that one. So I, look, legalized sports betting shouldn't impact news gathering at all. Because you should be getting your information from sources before legalized sports gambling does. And if legalized sports gambling does, all the power to them. However, if their source isn't your source, then how do you report on that? Right? I mean, if, if you're going by a secondary source and you're just trying to beat everybody to the punch, well, guess what? This is what happens when you're wrong. You know, or you're, you get bad information. To turn around and then blame legalized sports gambling and blame the, the secondary source, or right? Like, turn around. Oh, well, he told me. Oh, he told you? You heard or you thought you heard? Hulk Hogan, Dan Lebitard show, anybody? You heard or you thought you heard? Um, you know, you can't turn around and blame somebody else when you're, you want to put your name on it and run with it yourself. And on top of that, going back to sexual chocolate, you know, they're talking about the Eagles being the, the favorites for his services, and they're doing so because of gambling. So it's like, come on, dude. 
you know, you're going to say that, it, you know, is it going to have an impact on legalized sports? Is legalized sports betting going to have an impact on news gathering? And then all of a sudden you say it in the same breath. <laughs> Enough. And they they can't even finish, you know, getting involved in this whole thing because they turn around and then they talk about the Broncos and how the Broncos could possibly trade for Aaron Rodgers, only to turn around in the same article and say, you know, it's going to be too hard to do it. It's just, it really was a, a bad 48 hours, uh, 48, probably 48 hours for PFT, because for a, a, a site that had has a lot of history and really solid origins, it's just kind of spiraled out of control to the point that it gets overly political in a lot of their articles. Florio injects himself way too much, um, and you get stories like this that aren't stories, are all over the place, are, are based on secondary sources, and then if it blows up, you just point the finger at everybody else. You know. So that was the Aaron Rodgers thing. Guess what, everybody? Pissy face is coming back. That's all there is to it. You know, get used to it. And I don't think Randall Cobb is involved in this whole thing. Again, if Randall Cobb you know, ends up being a factor, I, I might have to take a break from podcasting, which, again, is complete bullshit because I'm not going to do that either because I, I do this shit in my basement for fun. <laughs> I'm not going to do it just because I'm completely wrong. Um, uh, anyway, um, wrap it all up. As soon as all that happens, just like you thought it would, the Devontae Adams saga ends. Because he comes back and he says he's willing to talk deal now. Yep, of course. Once Rodgers comes into the fold, then Adams comes into the fold. He's not talking about playing with uh, David Carr anymore or going to the Raiders. He's talking about playing with his buddy and redoing that deal uh, again. These are all stories. This is why I cannot wait for the NFL season to start because these stories suck. They suck to talk about. They're boring. But hey, that's what's out there right now. And these two stories have you know dominated the headlines because they're premier quarterbacks and they're going to have a big impact on the league this year. Um, and they'll probably have big impact on the league next year and the year after. I don't know about Rodgers. He's probably got a couple of years and then he'll be done. But Watson, for sure, so long as he doesn't end up in the slammer or uh, Me Too doesn't tarnish him to the point that he doesn't play again. We will find out soon enough. So anyway, that was the storylines from this Monday, July 26th. And then we will be back tomorrow talk a little bit more about what's going on and hopefully we can get off these quarterback stories and the rest of this flimsy crap and start getting more and more involved in real solid camp talk. That's the hope. Anyway, tired Monday, tired podcast, but we'll come back stronger tomorrow. Enjoy everybody. Audi 5000. Peace.